today I'm going to reintroduce you to Jesus. Everybody kind of already knows him, knows about him. Maybe you're new here. Maybe somebody brought you. Maybe you've been in church since, you know, the furniture was different colors. You know, you've probably been here since pews were, were a thing. You know what I mean? And so we, we kind of, we, we've all got this thing. But how interesting is it that our culture, because we are temporal, because we are finite humans, we constantly need reintroductions. You ever seen new look, same great taste in the grocery store? You ever seen that? You know what I'm saying? And it's on products, it's on clothes, it's on fashion. You know, bell bottoms are back? Like, that's the thing? Like, I, like, 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 can you believe? I never thought they'd come back, but they're back now. You know, it's, it's amazing. You see what I'm saying? And young people, your parents, you know, they, they, they look at y'all like y'all so bad, but we have, y'all have no idea what your mom and daddy was doing in them bell bottoms back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Shaking it in that polyester. But so the point is, each one of our cultures needs reintroductions. And this is a season where the world needs the new look and same great taste of Jesus Christ. And it's in us. We know he is eternal. We know the word is eternal. But it's us with skin on that the world looks at and perceives God. You get what I'm saying? And, and, and even for this room today, there's, there's legitimate need. There's breakthroughs. There's ups and downs. There's things going on. But the biggest thing I felt to tell you as worship was happening is a lot of needs will be met in the way you re-perceive Jesus. Like we know, prophet was without honor in his own hometown. And it says in the word of God that Jesus could do very little miracles in his own hometown. Think about it. Jesus, the son of God, was limited by a human force. Let that sink in. And it was simply an issue of perception. See, Nazareth had been reintroduced to the Jesus they had seen growing up. But they were refusing to accept the reintroduction. And therefore, what Jesus could do was limited. There is 40 years worth of legacy in this house. But guess what? It's time for a reintroduction. So, yeah, amen, amen. So whether you've been here since, you, whether you saw this building built and renovated or whether you're new here today, every need that you personally have can be answered in the way you re-perceive his power. Can I get an amen for that? Does that make sense? See, I, I, I'll make it personal. If we get, I got a little photo of my wife and my kids, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and these, this is my, my pride and my joy. They're, they're about to throw it up. Bam! Look at that. That's, that's, my, that's, my, that's my everything right there. You know what I'm saying? My wife is a, is a Latino woman. She's half Chilean, half Nicaraguan, but all Australian. She's got a full-blown accent, but at home they speak Spanish. You know what I'm saying? Then, then you got me, so I'm like 48%, but I got, I got mostly Nigerian, but then there's some Irish in me. So we're all just loud. We're just all, you, you, got, you got every ethnicity that yells loud, you got it all in my household. And my girls are just some little mocha lattes. We don't even know what they are, but they just cute. You know what I'm saying? And those are my kids. That's my family. But here's the thing, though. When I first met my wife, no sparks flew. Keep the photo up there for a minute. When I first met her, nothing. Nothing at all. 
We said hi to each other. We spoke for 30 seconds. I went one way. She went another way. I didn't see her again for another six months. I could have never seen her again. And it, it would, not, like, not even like a let's keep in touch, not an email, not, a friend, not, not even a Facebook friend request. You know what I'm saying? Nothing at all. Met her, and there was nothing. Met her again six months later. We had two conversations over seven days. The next time, it was like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember you. Still, nothing. No sparks flew. Nothing at all. And just on this one, the, the true story, God actually concealed her from me until I was ready. The word of God actually says that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search it out. Here's a little free one. has nothing to do with my message. Some of y'all, you wondering about your future. You're wondering about your spouse. You're wondering about your job. And watch this. You are making actions based on the fact that you can't perceive it or see it. It doesn't mean it's not there. God hides things until we are ready for them. So you don't need to go making any rash decision just because you can't see the outcome, the future, or you can't see the spouse. You can't see the job right now. They, hear me, everything you need could be right there in your vicinity and you wouldn't even know it because God hides things until we're ready. And sometimes we are making judgments based on our vantage point. And we step outside of the will of God. Six months later, met her, nothing. A year goes by. This time, we're in two different countries. She was a chaplain in a high school in Australia. I was doing music and graduate. I went from a drug rehab, did 13 months there. The church paid for me to go to Bible college. Shout out to the Dream Center, Pastor Tommy and Matthew Burnett. I'm alive because a church paid a price to reach the inner city of Los Angeles. And I'm living, breathing proof of the work of God and what happens when a church sinks its teeth into the community and is the hands and feet of Jesus. They paid for me to go to Bible college. I failed the first year. Don't clap yet. Finally, the third time around, finally graduated. So God is good. So my pedigree of preaching this morning is impeccable. You know what I'm saying? Just be at peace. You're in good hands. You know what I mean? <laughs> but here's the thing. Third time I met her. Everything changed. My life changed. Because see, I, I had met the answer twice before. Nothing. But the third time I was reintroduced, I met the love of my life. And things broken in me were restored. Meeting my wife is how I actually met Pastor Mark and Jemima Varighese because I had to come to Australia to meet the parents and meet the pastor of this random Latino Aussie girl that I met in L.A. And God totally altered the course of my entire life. Reintroductions are powerful. And today maybe you've fallen out of love with Jesus. Today maybe you've fallen out of love with Inspire Church. It's time for a reintroduction to his grace. It's time for a reintroduction to his love. It's time for a reintroduction to his power because we in this room have got to get this because Sydney needs a reintroduction to his bride. It needs a reintroduction to his church. Does that make sense? So for me, the most significant reintroduction in the history of mankind is the resurrection of the cross. I mean, time itself is based 
off of this moment. And we can see the reintroduction so evident from B.C. to A.D. B.C. means before Christ. A.D. means Anno Domini, year of the Lord, after death in the American abridged version. But the point is, time itself paused at the reintroduction of Christ. And all of life is built on this singular event. B.C. A.D. And today, maybe you walked in here B.C., but you're going to leave A.D. in Jesus' name. Come on, come on, come on. See, B.C., you couldn't go before God yourself because you were too untrained and unworthy. A priest and a select few could go before his presence. A.D., you can now boldly go before the throne because the blood of Jesus makes you worthy. B.C., you had to purify yourself before entering his presence. A.D., you enter into his presence and you let him do all the purifying. B.C., forgiveness had a financial cost. A.D., you don't need to pay a financial price because Jesus paid the ultimate price. B.C., the process and ceremony was only external. A.D., you don't need an external process because Jesus can live on the inside of you. B.C., the cleansing was temporary. A.D., he paid the price for all time, all eternity. So when he says you are clean, you are clean. He who the Son sets free is free. Indeed, in this moment, we need to understand this reintroduction. But I want to fast forward just a little bit after the cross to the moment where all the disciples are having a bit of a powwow. They're freaking out. The Lord, and probably, here's the cool thing, it was probably about a week, historians estimate, about a week after the resurrection. So we're like, we're right on time. A week later, the disciples are hearing rumors that maybe he's risen, but you know, old crazy Mary Magdalene, you know, well, we know she was demon-possessed, so we're not really going to take what she says too much. She just comes in screaming all the time anyways, you know what I mean? So we're not even going to put too much on that. She says he's risen. We've heard little reports, but guys, we're trying to figure out what to do. They're having this meeting. They're depressed. They're shocked. They're disappointed. They're, they're disheartened. They're frustrated. And hear me, they were still the body of Christ gathering, but they were shell-shocked by recent events. Sounds familiar. They were together, but they had lost sight of the vision. They were in one room, but they didn't understand where everything was going. I'm telling you, you got to catch what God is trying to speak to you guys right now. So hear me. It says this in this moment in Luke chapter 24. While they were still discussing all of this, all of this what? All of this stuff, the pandemic, all the delays, what the church is doing, this scandal, this person, that issue, how we should be handling this, mask or no mask, vaccine or no vaccine, politics is politics. They were discussing all of this stuff. Jesus shows up. Suddenly, he manifests right in front of their eyes. Startled and terrified, the disciples were convinced they were seeing a ghost. Listen, if a dead guy pops up next to your chase lounge, you're freaking out too. Like Jesus shows up and just bumped all the Ikea, just tipped it all over. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Peter's like, oh, my gosh. Thomas doesn't even believe it's even real. Matthew's is freaking out. Like everyone was just going nuts at this moment. And he's just like, peace. Why are you scared? Like, 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 you would be scared. This was stranger things. This is a whole nother level. Standing there among them, he says, be at peace. I'm the living God. Don't be afraid. Why would you be so frightened? Don't let doubt or fear enter your hearts, for I am church, body of Christ. Don't let doubt or fear 
enter your hearts, for I am. If that is all we preached all year with everything that's going on, don't let doubt or fear enter your hearts, for I am. That's good stuff right there. Come, gaze upon my pierced hands and feet. See for yourselves, it is I standing here alive. To everybody in this room, everyone online, see, look at this. Number one, people, they need to see our actions. They had heard stuff, but they needed to see it for themselves. Talk is so cheap. But if anyone should have listened to anything, it should have been, oh, he's risen, he's alive. Like if anybody should have believed in the word, it should have been these guys. But even Jesus himself says these knuckleheads need to see it, to believe it. And here's my question to this room today. Do people see our actions or are they hearing all the words? There's a lot of words going around, a lot of opinions, a lot of Facebook debates and arguments and a lot of things. There's a lot of words happening, but what are the actions? What are they seeing? St. Francis of Assisi, one of my favorite uh, 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 saints, he said this, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Ain't that crazy? Preach the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. Words. My wife and I had the privilege to plant a church uh, for the last four years in Botswana, and we just saw some amazing moves of God. And the funniest thing is, more than any sermon I ever preached, you know the most powerful thing they would always say? Why did you leave Australia to come here and live with us? See, I said a lot of stuff, but there was weight behind it because they could see me. I was among them. See, are we saying, oh, yeah, God is good. Praise the Lord. Be blessed, brother. But can they see you? You know, one, 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 true story. One guy joined our church, not because of any sermon, not because of any altar call, not even because of the move of God, but because he saw me stack chairs. I know that's deep, right? No, true story. He said, in all of my life, I have never seen a pastor stack the chairs. The pastor is always in the room, just away. He's up there somewhere. You know, he only comes to preach the word of God. But you are here with us, stacking the chairs. I was like, bruh, you need to go to Australia. That chair stacking 101, that's like basic ministry training. You know what I'm saying? Like, you stack chairs in an Aussie church. Like, it's, all, it's like 90% stacking chairs, 10% everything else. You know what I'm saying? But he, but he saw me stack chairs. And he said, okay, this is a guy I can follow. What does the checkout chick at Woolies see? When you're in the shopping mall, when you're in your neighborhood, what do your neighbors see? Talk is so cheap, but if we're going to reintroduce a world to the beauty of Jesus, they need to see us acting like him. See, that's going to bring healing to some of y'all in the room because some of the things you've seen have been unchristlike, And so you have, we have fears and doubts and pains and all these different things. But today, God's going to heal you. He's going to, even as I'm speaking right now, he's bringing you back to basics. He's bringing you back to the thing. Some of the old stuff is about to be washed away in the name of Jesus. So 
He needs to, we need to see it. People need to see our actions. Next, Jesus says this, touch me and know that my wounds are real. See that I have a body of flesh and bone. So they're seeing it. But then he goes further. He showed them his pierced hands and feet and let them touch his wounds. This is deeper than seeing. This is now feeling. See, point two, people need to feel our journey. So they need to see our actions, but they need to feel our journey. And, and not just feel anything. They need to feel the scars. See, let this sink in. Why would a perfect, holy, resurrected, glorified body God, why would he keep the scars? I mean, he was resurrected. He, he was perfect. He was glor- He was ready to ascend to be with the Father. Why would he keep the holes? Why did he keep the damage? I mean, surely cosmetic surgery was not above his pay grade. I mean, he went like this and just gave somebody new eyes, said, stand up. Somebody got new legs, like deaf people, like, 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 come on now. Like nip and tuck was like, that was like easy. He could have done that. You know what I mean? Real quick. But he held on to the scars. I need you to catch this. Let this sink in. Jesus resurrects. He reintroduces himself to his disciples And the first thing he lets them feel is the damage that has now been healed. See, I bet you doubting Thomas would have still doubted had a perfect squeaky clean Jesus showed up that had no signs of damage. See, body of Christ, we've got to stop photoshopping our scars. We've got to stop putting concealer on what God did in us. We've got to stop covering up the journey that we have been through to be in here. See, some of us have forgotten how low God had to get to scrape us out of the bottom of the barrel of the depths of sin to pull us out. And then when we see somebody kind of looking like a little bit of the sin that we once were in, we're like, oh, my gosh, what happened to you? We have got to be the number one champions to say, oh, my gosh. Girl, hey, you damaged? It's okay. Listen, let me. you see this big scar around my head here? He did brain surgery on me because my thinking wasn't straight. You see this big cut right here? I had a broken heart. But guess what? He fixed me. He healed me. He restored me. You see this right here? Listen, he gave me a whole brand new leg. You see this scar? You see that right here? He taught me how to dream again. Some of us look like Frankenstein if we're being honest with what Jesus has had to put back together. But then when we want to show up to church, we cover it all with concealer and act like we ain't never been through nothing. Remember, this, this is a hospital waiting room. We're the nursing staff. He's the great physician. So when moments come, when the altars open, when God moves, that's a nurse saying the doctor will see you now. But how tragic is it that in a hospital waiting room, when the great physician is ready to encounter his sons and his daughters, sometimes those of us who have been healed and restored and transformed, we're too tired and quiet about what he's done. And so anyone else who genuinely needs it is afraid to stand up. This will be the house, in Jesus' name, of beautifully scarred people that are letting the world feel their journey. And we will inspire people with our vulnerability. We will inspire them with our faith, with our openness. We will inspire them with the joy of what God has done in us. Can I get an amen right now? See? 
And then these poor disciples, God bless them, a little bit dense. The disciples were ecstatic yet dumbfounded, unable to fully comprehend it. Like he resurrected. He has teleported into your living room. You see that he's there. Weird Thomas stuck his finger all through all the holes in the scars. And you're still struggling to believe that he's real. And he says this. Here, let me show you. Give me something to eat. And they hand him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. And they watched him eat it. You know these YouTubes where we just love to watch people eat food? That's like the new thing now, you know, mukbangs and all this kind of thing. It's just, it's just weird. Like we just, we, we, will just, we will watch anybody do anything nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Kids don't even play video games. They watch other people play video games. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just a fascinating world we live in. But here's the thing that I need you to get. Let this sink in. Resurrection. Stone rolled away. Glorified body. Transport to the living room. Peace. Feel the holes in the scars. And they're still like. Hey, Peter. You think, is that really him? I don't know. Nah. And for his final move. Like the final trick, like, like the biggest reveal. Supernatural signs and wonders weren't enough. For his final trick to cement the fact that he's a real guy, he says, give me a fish fillet sandwich. Frozen Coke. Large fry. And, and you know, you know, Peter was like this. Oh my gosh, it's really him. Let this sink in. Because you need to understand, this is humanity. Some people are going to look at your glorified self the miraculous power of God in your life, they're going to look at it all and they're going to be like, nah, that's not real. And the most powerful tool you have in your arsenal is not some superhuman miracle, but it's the very human you. Never underestimate the power of sharing a meal with someone who's questioning if Jesus is real. Is questioning if God is the most powerful tool to reintroduce this world to Christ is your very human, normal love to do life with people. This is why next steps are so big and so important today. See, here's my question, church. Who is away from Jesus right now 
that you are intentionally building relationship with in order to bring them back to the gospel? Or do you just have a bunch of unsaved friends that you've had for years that you've just kind of held on to, but you're actually not being anything intentional in their life? See, it's going to be the human love that's going to help us reintroduce this world to Jesus. And the proof goes on. He then goes on to say, and I'll skip to verse 45. It says, then he supernaturally unlocked their understanding to receive the revelation of the scriptures. But let that sink in. Why didn't he just show up and do that first? Like, why didn't he just zap all their foreheads and just supernaturally get it? Because that's what we want sometimes happen. God, just show them. Just, just show them, Lord. We don't want to actually do the loving and the work. Just, just get them. Show them, Lord. Fix them. But I tell you this. Today, church, it's a process. They need to see your actions. They need to feel your journey. They need to witness your humanity. And then they will receive, we will receive supernatural power to unlock their understanding and revelation. This reintroduction of Jesus to his disciples is how we bring Jesus to our world. This reintroduction is how you will find healing and love yourself. See, sometimes you're sitting here waiting for the zap, and it starts with the basics. It starts with the human stuff. It starts by you just taking that next step. Let's just put some action to it. Let's serve. Let's build this church. Let's stack some chairs. Let's serve our children. Let's love this community. Let's give out some food. Let's do the basics well. Let's love people again. Let's make sure anyone who walks in this building damaged, broken, bleeding, wounded, they meet a room full of scarred people that say, welcome home. He's a good doctor and he can do it for me. He can do it for you. He can change me. He can change you. He can restore me. He can restore you. Today, we need a reintroduction and I feel in this room today, somebody needs to fall back in love again with not only Jesus, but somebody needs to fall back in love with his house. Someone needs to fall back in love with pursuing the call of God on their lives. God, there's a restoration, there's a healing that needs to happen.